Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. to coast. National Harbor and to the BetMGM Sportsbook and Lounge to hook up with our NFL lead analyst, Warren Sharp. Warren, good to see you. Let's dive into the Thursday nighter, Vegas and the beat up Rams with all of their failings and problems and quarterback issues tonight at SoFi in Lipstick City. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Welcome back. We had fun last week without you, but certainly enjoying your presence today and maybe enjoying it more than we will this game tonight. It all depends. I'm really hoping we do not see Baker Mayfield. I don't want to see Baker Mayfield anywhere near the the, the snap taking the under center exchange or the shotgun exchange from the quarterback. Let, let's keep John Walford out there. Let's keep Walford out there uh, and let's see what the kid can do. Let's see what he can cook up. We already know what Baker Mayfield can do. Uh, but look, the reality is let's start on the other side of the ball. This Rams defense plays the most zone of any team in the NFL, and specifically, they play the most cover three zone of any team in the NFL. And Derek Carr has massive splits against zone, and specifically against cover three, and he ranks number eight in percentage of completions that average 10 plus yards, and number 14 in EPA per attempt on early downs against cover three, which is one of the reasons why I like Devontae Adams' longest reception over 26 and a half yards tonight. I think he's going to have at least one big catch down the field against this Rams cover three defense. I mean, isn't it inevitable that this guy is going to go off? It doesn't matter who they play. It seems like over the last several weeks, Carr and Adams have had their swerve going, and he's been hitting him on deep roots, touchdown passes, you name it, flea flickers. They've had it all going. Yeah, they really have. And on the other side of the ball, when we talk about the Rams offense, we don't yet know who the quarterback is, which is a really peculiar situation to be in, right, just a few hours before kickoff. But um, credit to Sean McVay, not spilling the beans, so to speak, actually does help their offense and does hurt the ability of the opposing defense to prepare. In all reality, maybe they're just waiting to see how Wofford looks out on the field and how his neck is feeling. Uh, But the fact of the matter is, Sean McVay's teams, when they play on less than five days rest, which doesn't happen often, most often happens on a Thursday game, but has happened to them once before when they had to play on a Tuesday and then played the following Sunday, uh, their team is five and one, 
They are averaging 31 points per game. They're going over the total by eight points per game. And these games have been up against more respectable defenses like the 49ers or the Seahawks. Uh, or the Baltimore Ravens. This Raiders defense is terrible. They are really bad. They rank 31st in the NFL. They've played the fifth easiest schedule of opposing offenses. And one of the things that's interesting, if you go back, I did last night and rewatched that game that the Rams played the Seahawks and almost won. Uh, the Rams offense with Walford specifically, very different than with Stafford. A lot of boots and lots of action by the quarterback, uh, moving him out of the pocket, getting throwing lanes open for him. And then these receivers, they're not your prototypical stud, you know, big, tall, fast, wide receivers. There's really quick, short receivers, and there's like six of them. And they're just like duplicates out there on the field running all over the place. They created some havoc there in the secondary for that Seattle Seahawks defense. And so I actually kind of like the dog here. If I knew Wofford was starting, I would be betting the Rams and trying to buy to the seven because I think they're going to have some success here if it's Wofford. If it's Mayfield, you just like throw your hands up. You have no idea what you're going to get. Probably a very bad performance because I can't imagine how he could be in tune with all the receivers and the play concepts that Sean McVay wants to implement with just a couple of days to prepare, uh, basically mentally. Like he's basically only had the ability to take mental reps for the most part. We welcome our radio affiliate, Sirius XM Channel 159, Sports Map Radio Network, Sports Byline USA. Good to have you with us. We're talking to lead analyst Warren Sharp on Coast to Coast from the MGM National Harbor. All right, let's dive into your Warren Sharp one-game parlay because it's always interesting and it's delicious and we make a lot of money every week. Let's go. Yeah, so what we're going for here is I like Devontae Adams to have a big uh, big catch, but you can't bet on that on a one-game parlay. So I'm betting Devontae Adams receiving yards over 74 and a half. I'm betting against Kyron Williams rushing yards. I'm betting those under 39 and a half. I think Higby also is going to struggle offensively. I bet him under 54 and a half receiving yards, which is an alternate under. And then you throw in the Rams plus eight and a half. Now I only advise betting this. Wait until we see if we get John Wofford. If you get John Wofford, this is the bet that I like. If you don't get John Wofford, uh, maybe don't throw in the Rams into this one. But I do like Williams under and Higby under and Adams over in those games. So those are the situations. Uh, that's a four-game parlay. You pull all those legs together. And if one of those lose, you get your money back at BetMGM. Can't beat that. So if you hit three out of four, you'll get your $25 risk-free back with the great Warren Sharp insurance. I have to ask you, though, uh, you know, you sound really positive about Wofford and the Rams. If, you know, my thing is they're three and nine, Warren. They're, they smell they're so awful. I mean, honestly. They, they aren't good, but are the Raiders? Like, I don't know that the Raiders are actually great. And we got Josh Jacobs. He may not take the full workload because of the short rest and because of his injuries and his being dinged up. I think they're going to be relying a lot on Derek Carr throwing the football down the field uh, to create their offense. And I just don't know that they'll gain as much separation as you might otherwise think. When we come back, we're going to hit the Pats Zona Monday nighter. We're even going to talk Steelers-Ravens on Coast to Coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. 
jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio, and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. All right, we're talking to my main man, Warren Sharp, our lead NFL analyst. He's at the MGM National Harbor, per usual, on a Thursday. Can we talk about the uh, Patriots' offensive issues as they get ready to play in the Valley on Monday against that terrible Arizona team? Well, there's multiple things that are wrong with the Patriots offense. First and foremost, Matt Patricia is clueless as it relates to what is the strategy going to be offensively, particularly on early downs. I mean, look, early downs are more important than third downs. Third downs have variance. Third down, it depends how far you've got to go to first down based upon what you're going to call. Uh, But with regard to early downs, I mean, one of the main goals on early downs is you've got to try to bypass third down. That's what all the best offenses in the NFL do, avoid third downs. If you're not going to do that, at least figure out a strategy to set yourself up into third and manageable. You cannot be a bottom five offense in ability to bypass third downs and distance to go on third down. You can't be that terrible on early downs that you're never skipping third and that you're always in third and long. But lo and behold, the only team in the NFL whose offense ranks bottom five in both of those metrics are the New England Patriots. They're terrible. They're rudderless. They're clueless offensively. They don't know what their strategy needs to be to keep this team out on the field and make life easier for Mac Jones on third down and prevent obvious passing situations. And then you look at their play action, for example. They have the number one most efficient offense utilizing play action to pass the football. It is the best in the league. However, they use play action at the second lowest rate, sorry, third lowest rate of any team in the NFL. I mean, how does it make any sense at all to be the best play action offense but never decide to actually utilize it? Now, they just got finished playing five teams four of which rank above average, three of games against top five passing off, passing defenses against play action. The Minnesota Vikings were the lone team that ranked dead last in the NFL against play action. And that was the game that the New England Patriots used it the least of any of those games prior. So they have to get it on track and realize we're going up against an Arizona Cardinals defense this week. This Arizona Cardinals defense ranks fourth worst against play action of any team in the NFL, and they also are terrible against early downs at preventing teams from bypassing uh, third down, from skipping third down. So this Patriots offense needs to do some soul searching after Mac Jones exploded on the coaching staff on the sideline in their last game out Thursday against the Bills. 
figure out a better strategy to use more play action and to be more efficient on early downs. The Cardinals defense will let you do that. So don't let it go by the wayside. Take advantage of those things. Start ramping those efficiencies up, and they probably will have some success on Monday night against the Cardinals. So, I mean, your thoughts on Jones going from a 10-win playoff team and such a, frankly, dynamic start to his career in New England to what he's been like this year? Well, Jones wasn't as good as his performance last year. He shouldn't have made the pro ball. He wasn't that great of a quarterback. But he's not this bad. He was injured, and he's on a staff that is probably bottom three in terms of ability to coach strategically. You have to do two things as you're, as you're coaching football, in my opinion. You have to figure out what your players do really well and try to optimize those things. And you also have to game plan to figure out what the defense struggles to defend and try to incorporate enough of that. It's a balancing act, doing what we do really well with also attacking the weakness of the defense. And trust me, when I'm game planning and helping teams in that regard, it is a balancing act. But the fact that they are so terrible at understanding what they do well, which for example is play action, and never doing it, as well as attacking weaknesses of the defense like the Vikings, who were the worst team against play action and the Patriots hardly ever even used it in that game, just shows you that I don't know what Matt Patricia is doing over the course of the week leading into the game, but he's certainly not looking at the right numbers and he's certainly not game planning properly to beat those opponents. And Belichick refuses to do anything about it or change, which is shocking to me. And I also almost fell over when I saw he's the highest paid coach in sports of any sport, making 20 million and they're six and six. Go figure. All right, Baltimore and the Steelers in Pittsburgh. And I was really looking forward to this game until you told me you don't like the Steelers' chances against Huntley and the Ravens. Why not? Well, look, here's the positive for the Steelers, and that is that Lamar Jackson meant so much to this Pittsburgh, to this Baltimore Ravens team. I mean, right. look, this Ravens team, their number three, their top three receivers. Demarcus Robinson, Devin Duvernay, and Deshaun Jackson. Demarcus Robinson was cut from the Raiders in August. Deshaun Jackson wasn't even on a team in May, June, July, August. He wasn't on a team until the Ravens picked him up in October. And Devin Duvernay ranks 93 out of 93 qualifying receivers in yards per reception, 85th in receiving yards, and 79th in receptions since he entered the NFL out. And he's ran the 37th most routes of any of those 93 players. So it's not that he's not running the routes. He's running the routes. He's either not getting open or he's not being targeted or he's not catching the football. So he is not an impactful player for this Baltimore Ravens offense either. Like you wonder what they've got and what they've given Lamar Jackson to work with here. And now you don't have Lamar Jackson. Now you've got Tyler Hundley up there. And look, Hundley last season was definitely a drop-off. The Ravens had a bad record when they were without Lamar Jackson in there. This is an interesting game, though, Scott, because for the past two weeks, I've liked different elements of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I've bet them on their team total over. I've bet their game total over. Uh, they played the Indianapolis Colts. They played the Atlanta Falcons. But what do those games have in common? They were both dome games where Kenny Pickett didn't have to worry about the hand issue. He was fine. And now this game, there, could there be a little bit of rain in the forecast? Could there be a little bit of weather? It's obviously colder. It's supposed to be an outdoor game in Pittsburgh. And the Steelers are laying points. And in this type of a rivalry, I don't know that I trust, even with Hundley at quarterback, 
the team that's laying points here. I would rather be taking the underdog in a situation where I'm getting points in a game that is supposed to be very low scoring. 36 and a half is the total. Could go either way. I see advantages for the Ravens on the ground to be able to run the football uh, and their defense is really good as well. So they might be able to game plan something well enough and they have a really good kicker who should be able to make a couple of field goals here. Maybe that's all it takes uh, to be able to compete with the Steelers on the road here. So I do think there's a little bit of value in the Baltimore Ravens but frankly if the Steelers were underdogs I'd probably be on them as well this is really just about what is the number I gotta tell you I watched them last week against that crappy Denver team and I was not impressed at all in the Ravens with Huntley in charge and now they're playing in Pittsburgh and they're three of four two straight and getting some confidence uh, it's a cocktail I think they have a shot to beat them, we'll see. Carolina goes to Seattle. You cannot tell me there shouldn't be easy work for Seattle. I think Carolina smells. Well, I'm, I'm going to be going against you on this one then, Scott, because here's the thing. <laughs> Carolina, Carolina smells if they can't run the football. But if they can run the football, they actually smell like flowers, not garbage. Because if you look at since week three, in the five games that their running backs posted a success rate lower than 35%, they're 0-5 in those games. But when their running backs were able to post a success rate of at least 35%, they're 4-1 in those games, averaging 25 points per game. They beat the Saints, they beat the Bucks, they beat the Falcons, and they beat the Broncos. So it's really going to boil down to, to me, can they run the football here well enough against this defense of the Seattle Seahawks? And this Seahawks defense has been hemorrhaging rushing yards the last three weeks to every team that crosses their paths. So I think as long as you don't put too much on Sam Darnold here. Now, I don't love Ben McAdoo as their coordinator. I don't think he's going to come up with a great game plan, but even he knows let's lean on the run game as long as the run game is somewhat successful. And I think the Seahawks, they got beat up at uh, their running back position. They might be passing with Geno Smith, be a little bit too predictable offensively. As a result, I think there's a little bit of value at lines that are above three points here for the Carolina Panthers offense. Those teams that you talked about them going four and one against, they all stink too. Uh, so all those teams that they won against are terrible, and it's easy to do whatever you want to those losers. Now they're uh, playing a good football team at home in Seattle with Geno. I'm not seeing that at all. When we come back, Jets and Bills on top of the play. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. 
Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This is a whole new jungle. This is The Lion's Share. Brought to you by BetMGM. You know, you can get a risk-free bet up to $1,000 if you use the bonus code Coast to Coast at BetMGM. I mean, you are styling. Uh, there's only one Warren Sharp, and we got him on SportsGrid and Coast to Coast every week. From the MGM National Harbor, he's live right now as we dive into the next uh, slate of games. The Jets and Bills in Orchard Park. I know Carver High has been talking about revenge this week on this particular show when it comes to dealing with the gang Green and Mr. White having to play him in Buffalo. And the Bills are still on top of the AFC, Warren. They are. They've got extra rest, extra time to prepare. Uh, look, Mike White and the Jets should have won their game against the Minnesota Vikings. They had six trips to the red zone. They only converted one of those into a touchdown. But you know what? That doesn't help them any in this game. It might make us think better of them, but it's not going to help them in their matchup in this game. And I'm curious to see how this Buffalo Bills defense tries to limit the passing attack of Mike White. I think the Bills defense has shown that they are very good against play action, which is something that the Vikings, as we discussed at the top of the hour, are the worst defense in the NFL. So all that efficiency that the Jets were gaining last week using play action, they're not going to be able to utilize against the Buffalo Bills. We also have some weather that's going on in this game. And so the quarterback who has played far fewer games in this environment is obviously Mike White. So I think there are massive advantages towards the Buffalo Bills here. I think their defense is going to be more solid, more prepared. They actually faced Mike White last season because he was filling in and they absolutely demolished him in that game. Now, I think his supporting cast is a lot better this season than it was last year, but I don't know that the result is going to be substantially different. The only way that I think the Jets have a good shot in this game is if the Bills take their foot off their gas like they've been prone to do and turn to the ground game a little bit more in the second half and don't get the results that they're hoping to get on the ground. That would keep the Jets in this game to get into the back door. But for the most part, I think that the Buffalo Bills, there's been money that's coming in on the Bills. I mean, you look at such a high number for nine and a half point underdog for a team like the Jets that was taking money last week in Minnesota, and you would think that there'd be more an appetite to take them, but the Sharp guys have come in and laid the nine and a half and laid the 10 on the Buffalo Bills and forced this line higher. So how does the season play out for the Bills without Von Miller? I mean, he obviously was helpful for them, and he's a great player, uh, but they're going to have to survive without him, just like they've done earlier in the season when they were down other key players there. I, I think the Buffalo Bills are going to be fine without Von Miller, but what's going to inevitably happen here is the secondary has gotten healthier as compared to earlier on in the season. The offense has to pick up the slack. It's the, it's the same story a different year. For the Bills, when their defense gets more beat up, their offense must pick up the slack. And from a play-calling perspective, they have to be prepared.
prepared to do that. So I think that they are, uh, but it is a different offensive coordinator, and I'm not positive that Ken Dorsey is going to put his foot on the gas as much as he's going to need to. If he doesn't, this Bills team is going to be in more closely contested games, which then become more of a coin flip. Uh, they need to really try to build those leads quickly and efficiently against lesser competition so they don't have to worry about those teams coming back in the second halves. Are you leaning Bills or do you sense uh, Chiefs, uh, Bengals? The Bengals seem to own the Chiefs. Uh, where is your indicators for who's going to come out of the AFC? Where are you leaning? And it's hard not to love what the Bengals have been doing. And I think one of the things that I like about the Bengals more than I like about those other teams is the fact that they've got a defense coordinator who makes pregame adjustments to who they're going up against and massive in-game adjustments to try to limit those teams. Uh, plus, they are the team. Like, if you look at the Bills versus the Chiefs, if, if you're just talking about a three-way between the Bills, Chiefs, and Bengals, one of these teams has another one's number. And it's clearly not the Bills over the Chiefs or the Chiefs over the Bills. It's the Bengals over the Chiefs who have beaten them three times over the last two years. So I think that the their edge in that regard and their ability to adjust defensively at halftime to lower output of opposing offenses is kind of that trump card that they'll hold over both of these other teams. And um, I think that there is a little bit of value. There was. It was like 25 to 1 last week to bet the uh, Buffalo, sorry, the Cincinnati Bengals to win the Super Bowl. That's now down to like 13 to 1. Um, so I do think that the Bengals are the team that you would want to be buying out of these three. Wow. And how about this great game in uh, Ford Field? It looks like, right, on paper, Vikings and Lions. The Lions have a lot of confidence right now, and they're playing hot football. They do. Uh, look, let's first talk about who the Vikings have gone up against. They have faced in their last five games five top ten defenses. We're talking about Dallas, New England, Buffalo, the Jets, and Washington. Every single one of those teams ranks top 10. Now they're stepping down in class as they're facing the Detroit Lions. Though they might be stepping down in class, though, I believe that this is a bad matchup for the Minnesota Vikings offense, and here's why. The rate of man coverage and the rate of blitzing. And Kirk Cousins has massive splits. We're going to be tweeting out another video that I recorded earlier uh, over the weekend. Look for it where we break all of this down in great detail. But the bottom line is that Kirk Cousins against man coverage is a drastically different quarterback than Kirk Cousins against zone coverage. Moves from number six in some metrics all the way down to number 31 in other metrics. Against the blitz, he's similarly terrible. And what do the Lions do a lot of? Use a lot of man coverage, blitz a lot. Last week, the New York Jets played more man coverage in the first half than they do on average, but they saw those results. And those results were that Kirk Cousins was not good when he was faced with man coverage, was much better when they were using zone. So what did they adjust to in the second half that basically neutralized this Vikings offense? They upped, ratcheted up the rate of man coverage in the second half 13 percentage points higher than what they were using in the first half. And Cousins and this offense for the Vikings did absolutely nothing. Go back to week three, Scott. Watch the tape when this team, the Lions, were using man and when they were blitzing. Cousins' numbers were terrible. He averaged uh, 4.8 yards per attempt against man coverage on 26 dropbacks. Negative .33 EPA, 26% success, was similarly terrible when they blitzed him. On the other side of the ball, what do the Vikings do defensively? They play 
one of the highest rates of zone in the NFL. And what does Jared Goff do really well? He crushes zone coverage. In fact, not only is he top eight in the NFL on the course of the season, he is the best quarterback over the second half of the season in EPA per play and success rate against zone defense. That's what he's going to see a lot of. I think he's going to have a lot of success in this game as well. And for those reasons, I just think the Lions, like, it doesn't surprise me that this line opened as the Vikings favored, but has quickly moved to the Lions favored. And nor does it surprise me, or would it surprise me, to see the Lions exceed their team total. I think they'll score at least 27 points against this Minnesota Vikings defense that I think is overrated and is a bad matchup for Jared Goff. What Goff does well, they utilize a lot of, and I think they'll have enough success here. Yeah, and Goff's putting up huge numbers. You can't even deny that he's done a good job with the Lions. Let's talk about the Eagles and Giants in East Rutherford. I couldn't believe uh, what Philly did to Tennessee. They just pushed him around. They did whatever they wanted to him. Yeah, it was surprising. Now, look, the Tennessee Titans, their offensive line might be a little bit more beat up than we otherwise expected. And Derrick Henry has not been the same since he appeared with a mysterious foot injury on the injury report uh, back in week 10. They, they, just between him and the offensive line, they are not getting the job done on the ground. Uh, the Viking, sorry, the Eagles defense is going to have to do something similar against this New York Giants offense that has Saquon Barkley and that wants to run the football. And trust me, the Giants are going to test them early. They're going to see if they can run the ball. We know that the Eagles got back Jordan Davis. We know that the Eagles added Indomitian Sue. We know that they are a better run defense than they were three, four, five weeks ago when they lost their, uh, Jordan Davis. However, we know that the New York Giants are a very intelligent coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball, and they absolutely will pivot towards a short passing game if they struggle to run the football here. They're going to come out, try to run. If it doesn't work, they'll switch over to the pass. I'm interested to see how both of these quarterbacks do on the ground scrambling. That's going to be a big part of this game as well. Weather is going to be at play here, so pay close attention to the weather forecast. It might be raining and a little bit windy in this one. The wind tends to swirl in that stadium, so pay close attention to that before you handicap anything in terms of going over the total if that's what you were looking to do here. Uh, but I think that we might see Jalen and hurts running against this defense that loves to send pressure and plays a lot of man coverage that generally creates openings for quarterbacks and we know that hurts is one of the best in the nfl at picking up yardage with his feet two weeks in a row uh he was the nfc offensive player of the week he has been impressive and he seems to be getting better the deeper the season goes yeah, he has been. Uh, his, he's getting better chemistry with his receivers. And remember, this is just the second year that he's been in this offense. And prior to this season, he never in his career was with the same offense for more than one season. So I think this offense should get a little bit better. The key for the Eagles, it's been this way for years now, uh, even with Carson Wentz in there. It's health. If the O-line can stay healthy and the receivers can stay healthy, I think the ceiling is obviously really high for the Philadelphia Eagles, and I would expect them to continue to improve offensively down the stretch. You just don't want Jalen Hurts to pick up an injury, especially a lower body injury, because that could really cause problems for this offense. All right, when we come back with Warren, we'll hit uh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Houston, Dallas. Jackson, Tennessee, KC, Denver, Tampa, San Francisco, and Miami, and the Chargers. It's coast to coast with Warren Sharp. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The incomparable Warren Sharp. No one can touch him. He's unequaled by his peers. He gives us the skinny every week on Coast to Coast from the MGM National Harbor getting ready for pain day NFL tonight, Sunday, Monday, you name it. He's got you covered. We talked about the Bengals a little bit earlier, Warren, and the Browns have been Joe Burrow's kryptonite. He has had nothing but problems against the Cleveland Browns. I can't figure it out. This one's in the jungle as the Browns and Deshaun Watson come calling on Sunday. I just want to say, I know that you have experience in radio, but you would do great if those hot dog eating contest announcers had an issue uh, of filling in for them on the 4th of July and announcing all the guys, giving them so much praise and, 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 and glamour in those intros, because you definitely do a good job with that for me. So I do appreciate that. Uh, This is the game that Joe Burrow struggles with. There's one game he circles as much as this team knows how to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. They struggle with their in-state rival, the Cleveland Browns. And I think in large part, it's due to the coaching of Kevin Stefanski and what he does offensively for the Cleveland Browns. They know how to attack this defense. And they never seem to get slowed down, even in the second half with the adjustments that are made, which are which is sort of mind-boggling because they struggle to score enough against a team like the Miami Dolphins, and yet they're going up against Lou Anarumo and you know making his life hell in the second half by continuing to move the ball offensively. Uh, the biggest issue to this game, though, you almost can't handicap all the X's and O's without the big one, and that is Deshaun Watson. I mean, this guy had all offseason to prepare to play the Houston Texans. For weeks, he could have watched film on what this defense was doing. He could have practiced as much as he wanted to to get right and shake off that rust. And he came out there and looked abysmal, just totally garbage in the game against the Houston Texans last week. And so the question that you have to ask yourself is, can a player who really hasn't played for two years 
have one game to shake off all the rust and be back to normal this week? Or is it going to take longer? And if your answer to that is it's definitely going to take longer, then you can't look to back the Cleveland Browns here. Even at plus six, I just don't think you can. You need Deshaun Watson playing 90% of what his ceiling is going to be to be able to come in here and uh, and deal with a point spread like this in a team like the Cincinnati Bengals, especially with Jamar Chase back. Uh, but if you think that he did shake off the rust, absolutely. Like, if I had Jacoby Brissett in this game, I would be taking the Cleveland Browns plus six. I would. I'd probably also be backing the over because I think that they are going to be able to score against the Cincinnati Bengals defense. However, with Deshaun Watson, I'm not so sure, and that's why we saw this line from sharp guys get bet from five out to six. We also th saw the total crash down. It was at 49 and a half to start the week. It's down to 47 and probably dropping below that because we don't know what we're actually going to get out of Deshaun Watson here. And if he looked anything close to what he looked last week, it's hard to imagine the Browns scoring enough points to either cover the spread or send it over the total. But I'm not laying the points with the Cincinnati Bengals here either. You can follow Warren on Twitter at Sharp Football. How about Houston and Dallas at Jerry's World? Uh, the Texans are going back to Davis Mills as if it matters from Kyle Allen. I don't know which one's worse. And the Cowboys are coming off a, a nice 54-point performance at home against the Colts. Are they going to smack around this Texans team as well with a big number? Look, the... The, the Cincinnati Bengals went down, or sorry, the Cleveland Browns went down there last week, and their offense did nothing, nothing. And they still scored three touchdowns, like one was a punt return, one was a fumble return, one was an interception return. I mean, right. Kyle Allen, I, I do think Davis Mills is better than Kyle Allen, so I will come off the top and just say that right off the bat. But here's the thing. To me, the Dallas Cowboys feel like they are in an audition for two things. They're an addition for Mike McCarthy to keep this job to prevent like Sean Payton from coming in and snatching it from him. It's going to be hard for Jerry Jones to get rid of their coach if he continues to put up 40 plus, 50 plus points in these games. Number two, I really do feel like they're sort of auditioning for Odell Beckham. I mean, the players keep talking about it. Every time the game ends, they're out there trying to put on a show to convince him to sign with Dallas for the playoff push. So. For those two reasons, it feels like Dallas is trying to run up scores. We saw them against the Minnesota Vikings. The game was well in hand. What do they do? Stick an injured Micah Parsons back into the game after he hurt himself because he could still technically play. He wasn't injured enough. And so they just stuck him back out there in the fourth quarter to continue to rush the quarterback to try to accumulate stats. I feel like they're doing, they're like a college team trying to impress the pollsters by putting up these scores. And for that reason, I have no interest in taking the points with the Houston Texans here. I think Dallas could name the score in this one. <laughs> Jacksonville and Tennessee at Nissan and Smashville. Uh, the Titans go home after an embarrassing game in Philly at the link. Thank God they get to play the Jaguars with or without Trevor Lawrence.
I think Trevor Lawrence is able to go here. I saw him at the press conference, his body language, he didn't have his ankle wrapped up or his toe wrapped up at all. I really do feel like he has a chance to go. Now, I've heard other people suggest that they're going to rest him, but I say why. I mean, this team, yeah, their record is they're three games below the Tennessee Titans for this division, but they still have two games to play against the Tennessee Titans. If they win this game and win the last game of the season against uh, Tennessee, then they're right back in the playoff hunt, as bad as it sounds with their current record and how they've been performing of late uh, but this is a very hard game for me to handicap and that's because I don't know what Trevor Lawrence is is he 80% is he 90% is he 100% and the Tennessee Titans have absolutely owned the Jacksonville Jaguars in their matchups I think in the last 10 games the Titans have won nine of the games outright and they cover most of the games as well. These are generally games that Derrick Henry does really well in and runs for a ton of yardage in, but this O-line for the Titans is banged up. Derrick Henry may not be quite at 100%. They're without their number one receiver in Traylon Burks to stretch the field. As soon as he went out, you knew the writing was on the wall against the Philadelphia Eagles. There's no way they were going to be able to throw the football down the field. So I worry about that element for them to attack the weakness of this Jaguars defense, which is that secondary. The Jaguars' strength is stopping the run, which is what the Titans want to do. And I hate the Titans' game plans in the second half of games. We've said it for weeks now. This is a great first quarter team. They come up with a decent script, they score, and then they do nothing. And their offense coordinator needs to be locked in a room and do nothing but write scripts, write scripts, write scripts, write scripts, and then just have the coach call them every single scripted play, call it all four quarters instead of whatever he does in the fourth quarter and the third quarter. Uh, but I think I want to sort of lean towards the Jaguars, but I don't know about Trevor Lawrence, and I don't like the, uh, in the history of the Jaguars performing against the Tennessee Titans. So Kansas City's going to Denver, and we already know how bad the Broncos have been. There's talk of Nate Hackett getting fired and not lasting past one season. But we also have the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, who simply put, never cover. I mean, what is the deal with the Chiefs if they're so good and if Patrick Mahomes is so great and and Andy Reid's such a genius. Uh, what's the problem with that team? I mean, betting on him is a kiss of death. Problem with the team is a problem with a lot of these favorites around the NFL that have good offense, and that is the way the defenses are playing them. They're encouraging more run plays, exactly as we saw the Kansas City Chiefs do in the first half against the Cincinnati Bengals. And Tony Romo was on TV talking about this is what they should do. They should run the ball because they're picking up enough yardage here. They're taking what the defense is giving them. But what that prevents them from doing is doing what they did two years ago, three years ago, which was score 30 points in the first half of games, put up big numbers that then allow them to cover the spread. And so when they're scoring fewer points because they're running the ball more to take what the defense is giving them, it's harder for them to create margin, especially on a nine and a half point spread like they're laying here against the Denver Broncos. It does not mean that the Kansas City Chiefs is not a good team. It just means that it's harder for them to win games in a big fashion unless that opposing offense makes mistakes. Now, we already saw Nate Hackett give up play calling duties two weeks ago to Clint Kubiak, Gary Kubiak's son, and the team has stunk since that point in time, but at least now he's not calling the plays. But you know that's like the, one of the last things, the last straws, is the coach gives up play calling, and then the offense still isn't any good, and then that coach, you know, the writing's on the wall for him as well. So I don't like the Denver Broncos here, but I certainly would not be laying the points with the Kansas City Chiefs.
if Denver can play good enough defense, that's going to be the recipe here. It's very much so a Denver and under type game. If you're looking to bet Denver, you might as well put a little bit on the under as well. So uh, Tampa goes to San Francisco. I have to tell you, I wasn't as impressed uh, with their win over the Saints as everybody else. I mean, they uh, did the usual Tom Brady glory all day. Let's talk great about Tom Brady. But they were getting their ass beat by that terrible Saints team the whole night. And they got lucky and won that game. I think they go out there to San Francisco and he has nothing but problems against that Niner defense. Because I think the Bucs suck. Well, I don't disagree. I mean, they should not have won that game. They're a terrible offense right now, and in part, it's because of the play calling. And I just have no confidence that Byron Leftwich is going to go into this game and use enough play action and throw the ball enough on first and second down to keep this team out of second and third and long situations. They're going to call too many run plays on first down because they think it helps and they think it helps set up play action. But what it in fact does is set them up for second and eight, third and eight. And that's where Tom Brady is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. His efficiency on obvious passing situations is at the bottom of the NFL this season. But he's very good. His time to throw is the quickest in the NFL. He's good at distributing the ball and getting rid of it quickly. So I don't know why they don't lean into that more on early downs. Uh, but this is a massive step up in class in terms of the defense that Brady's Bucks offense is going to be going up against. But the same could be said on the other side of the ball. You got Brock Purdy going up against this. Bucks defense that also is very good and I think you would want to make life easy for Brock Purdy offensively if you're Kyle Shanahan but you can't really run the ball that frequently against this Bucks defense so it's going to have to be a lot of short passing what I like about it though is that Purdy was inserted mid-game last week, and so that was not a game plan tailored to Brock Purdy's strengths. This game will be all about what does Brock Purdy do well, and what does that mean? That means that the Bucks' defense has not seen this game plan yet. They've never used it once on the season, and so I think that could create an element of surprise for the San Francisco 49ers here. I just There's enough arguments on both sides of this ledger, though, to prevent me from wanting to really get too heavily involved in this one because I can see just a reasons for backing both sides here. Can the Niners go to the NFC title game with Purdy? Well, we're going to find that out quickly. Ironically, his skill set from what I've been told and have seen is not that massively different from Jimmy G's. You know, what he was doing in college, getting rid of the ball quickly and accurately, uh, was not that much different than what Jimmy G is asked to do in this offense, but he severely lacks the experience and the ability to check into the right things and read the defense as well as Jimmy G did. Do you think Tampa is an early out in their first uh, wild card game, let's say? I think they go out first. Possibly, but it depends who they play because I think there are some pretenders in the NFC, except for Dallas and Philly, that you know Tampa could go ahead and uh, and upset one of these pretenders as well. So it's a it's a tough. The NFC playoffs are going to be so wild. This whole postseason is going to be bizarre. It's going to be great. When we come back, we'll hit the Miami Charger game and wrap it up with Warren Sharp. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. 
Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. You know, you really want to check out sharpfootballanalysis.com. Warren's website is badass. I think you'll dig it. All right, the Sunday Nighters in Lipstick City as well. It's tonight's game, but it's the 500 Chargers, the overrated Chargers, the overrated Justin Herbert, who's going to go to the Super Bowl every single year and never can even make a wild card game, taking on the Miami Dolphins. And you can't tell me Miami isn't better than the Chargers. No, Miami is better than the Chargers. Here's the thing. This line, you could get money line on the Dolphins on Sunday night, minus 125. But then before you hiccuped, this line started to move higher. And, of course, now it's sitting at three, three and a half. This is a high number. Now, I know there's no home field advantage out in L.A. when the Chargers play at home. You're going to get whatever local Dolphin fans that live in L.A. or the vicinity to come to watch this game, and they love their team, and it's going to be kind of a good environment for a football game, I think. A lot of Dolphins fans there. I think the game's going to be a lot of fun. Here's the challenge, though, for the Dolphins, and that is that their weakness is their secondary. They have a clear-cut strength. It's defending the run, stopping the run, and getting pressure on the opposing quarterback at the same time. If the Chargers just simply drop back and pass the ball quickly, that's going to exploit one of the biggest weaknesses that the Dolphins have. And so is this offensive line healthier than what it was last week? Is this offensive line for the Chargers going to protect Justin Herbert enough? If yes, they're going to be able to have some success throwing the ball. If no, I definitely think the Dolphins are going to get out early. But the problem for the Dolphins is that they tend to take their foot off the gas very quickly in the second half of games and keep opponents in them. And for that reason, it's hard to really want to lay the points with the Dolphins for the full game, in my view here. I would be looking at backing them in the first half or backing the Chargers if their O-line gets some upgrades. But I have actually done nothing on this game at the moment. I'll tell you what, how brutal is this? They play the Sunday nighter in L.A., then they got to play in Buffalo next Sunday. Warren, great job today, as always. Enjoy the game tonight and Sunday, Monday. We'll see you next week, buddy. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. 
It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 